you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to Psalm 27, uh, verse 4. Psalm Seven and four, if you have it, uh, it says, One thing I have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. One thing have I desired of the Lord. I just want to talk a few minutes this morning. I don't know how long. Um, I'm trying a new program for my notes. I had it all down to a science. Uh, now I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. This is the dry run. Uh, but a few moments, at least, on the most important thing. Let's just pray one more time together. Jesus, hallelujah. God, I thank you. I'll be your presence that's here. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you anoint our ears to hear. God, I pray you would anoint our mouth to speak it, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would... I just let your will be done the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, God. Let, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated if you'd like. Um, we're coming to a close, I guess, the end of the year. It's been two years since we've been here, which is hard to believe. Um, maybe it's gone by fast. Maybe you're... Maybe it's just dragging on and you're wishing I'd leave. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about, let's, getting back to the basics of living for God. I know you're probably sick of hearing McDonald's stories. They haven't been in stories, and that's what I know, and I'll have some of both of those this morning. But uh, every once in a while, we need to, to reset. Uh, we need to recalibrate. At McDonald's, we'll just jump right into that. I was, when I left, I was in charge of, of ordering uh, all the, the product. I was in charge of the inventory um, and food costs, waste, all of those exciting things that nobody thinks about. Um, and I had to count certain things weekly. Every Monday morning, I would come in at 6 o'clock. Go into the freezer, that wakes you up pretty quickly. I would count all the food and, and that sort of thing. And then once a month, I had to count everything in the store at the end of the month. Work overnight and do that, which is good. When you're not used to staying up that late, counting at 2 in the morning, see how accurate you are. Um, but I had to do that. And then I had to compare it. So when you would sell something, um, the computer would um, know how much should be leaving the store. And I would be telling the computer how much was left in the store, and there would be a difference. And um, I would have to try to figure out where these things were going. And that was my job, which doesn't seem exciting, and it really wasn't. It was stressful. We had a big restaurant that um, things just disappeared. I know. It wasn't a good answer to give my boss, but it wasn't uncommon, you know, 
after a week to be missing half a box of meat or something, which seems like a lot, but when you're doing a lot of sales, um, you know, that's not that much. Uh, mostly people would, would uh, make it and, you know, it would get stuck to the grill or something, they just throw it out instead of throwing it in the waste bucket where you're supposed to so we can count it and keep record. And I know this is all exciting stuff, there's a purpose, but we'll get to it. Um, so my job, or part of it, other than the regular manager type things, was to focus on the things that were missing, the top, the top things every week. Um, we would go money-wise because and that's what it's all about, right? Um, and try to figure out why. So, so for example, say that meat was missing, I need to figure out why it was missing because we can't have it going missing because that's you know that's a lot of money after you know I add that up after a year that's a lot of money so we need to figure out why it was going usually it was people weren't wasting it properly or throwing it in the garbage and, or whatever or it could have been bad training and people were uh, putting too much of something on a burger which as a customer sweet but as a company you can't do that <laughs> you're not going to be making your money that you're supposed to uh, you know people putting the wrong number on like oh a cheeseburger that gets three patties right no it doesn't but or worst case scenario, um, people would steal, which is, my boss was always like, everyone's stealing. I was like, well, maybe not, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes that's what it was, and um, nuggets were a big thing. You know, people can't count to six, or 10, it's hard, apparently. Um, sometimes people are like, well, this one looks good. I'm gonna eat this, can't do that. Sometimes I just counted wrong. I know it's hard to believe. <sighs> so I have to count again. Got someone else to help me just to make sure. But sometimes one of our, our biggest items that would um, be missing was what we called shake mix or vanilla iced milk, which is what you use to make ice cream. What you use to make shakes comes in these big cold pillows. <clears throat> it wasn't a cheap item, and if it was missing, the main reason that it was missing. People weren't stealing it. People weren't taking it home. The main reason it was missing is because people were using too much of it. Um, you know, there's only supposed to be so many ounces of ice cream on a cone, in a flurry, uh, in a sundae. There's certain amounts that goes in each, so much per shake, whatever. Um, so when that would start to go missing, we would, we had this little kitchen scale, you know, those ones. When we put it out there, and we say, I want you guys to start weighing your cones. It's supposed to get five ounces of ice cream on a cone. And everyone's like, oh, I'm good, I'm making the right one. Then they weigh it, it'd be like eight. Like, okay, you need to calm down there. That's almost two. <laughs> Do that a few times. Now we're missing stuff, right? So that's, um, you know, everyone thought they were doing it right, but they, they'd, they'd weigh them. Some of them were seven ounces, six, seven and a half. As a customer, awesome. I got a big one. Some of them were undercutting people, which we didn't get as hard on them as the others. <laughs> but as a customer, you get a big cone, you're like, yes, this is great, a dollar? I got twice as much ice cream as I should, that's great. But as a business, that's bad, because people are only paying for so much, and you're losing money by giving it more. So that was what I had to do. So every so often, we would have to, um, take time and recalibrate and retrain people that this is how much goes on an ice cream cone. This is how much goes in a flurry. And then customers get mad because last week, well, I got a big one and now you're giving me this little one and that was a fun time, but 
I'm like, oh, look, this is, anyways. And even, so we have to take time to refresh. And even people that did it every day, you know, very rarely did you have anybody get it right on. We'd have like a little window of error that you could have, you know, not 5.1, you're fired. But very rarely did anybody have it in that, you know, accepted window. And then we would start offering, you know, prizes to people. You know, you get a ballot in your name and a draw if you could, you know, get it in that window. And everyone's like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then, you know, whatever. So every once in a while, we'd have to do that. But over time, we would get off. And over time, you know, the cones would get bigger or smaller or sloppier. And so we'd have to bring this annoying scale out, which takes extra time. And people don't like waiting as it is. Um, but we have to do that to, to recalibrate. And it's probably the same in a lot of other businesses. You know, your machines get off. Over time, you need to recalibrate and make sure, um, you know, cars need alignments. Drive around here, hit potholes. Um, printers get off-centered. They start missing stuff. You know, the whole line's missing when you print it. And things, over time, they get off track. And life, you know, happens with us too. When life happens, storms come, sickness comes, habits creep up and things get in the way and we think that we're doing everything the right way. We think we're doing it all properly and then we look at the word and we see that we're missing something. And we need to recalibrate sometimes. As Christians, there are times that we need to, to reset, to recalibrate and make sure that our focus is on the right thing. Make sure we're where we need to be. We need to go back to the basics. We need to remember why we do the things we do. We need to remind ourselves of what we believe, what is important, what is the focus. I mean, Jesus needs to be the center of everything we do. We can sing about it, but then go about our lives and you know think we're doing everything right, but when you go look at the words, sometimes you're like, well, well, I'm way off here. I need to come back. Because over time, we can get off-centered, and over time, we can get off-balance, and living for God is all about Balance. It's all about faithfulness. It's all about consistency. And we're at the end of the year now, and the beginning of the year is coming up soon. And this is a good time for us to do that. Um, you know, in a couple days, everyone's going to be making resolutions that last for a week. We're all going to eat healthy for a few days. We're all going to exercise for a day or two. We've got goals that we're going to we're going to make soon and. Let's make sure that one of these things is us resetting, recalibrating, refocusing on what is important. We need to make sure that our lives are founded and focused on the most simple things. Living for God isn't very complicated. We make it complicated sometimes, but it's not really. We have a tendency to get distracted and off balance and off center. So we need to ask ourselves, what do we desire? David said he desired one thing. He determined to seek one thing, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. My friend, um, my old roommate, Jerome, this was his, one of his favorite verses. He would quote it all the time and say it all the time. But he would say, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing. And he constantly reminded himself of what was important. People will be arguing, you know, that's what people do. I know when I hear, but outside of church, people argue with each other and people fight and talk about people and whatever. 
And Jerome would say, one thing have I desired of the Lord. He'd remind himself that there's one thing that's important. There's one thing I need to, to focus on. That's what matters. That's what's important. One thing, and I heard him say it several times while we were roommates. He would say that all the time. One thing have I desired. One thing I want. One thing I desire. One thing I seek after. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to live for him. And it's believed that David wrote this psalm while he was on the run and hiding from Saul. When his life was in danger, when things were falling down around him, he was anointed to be king, but he was on the run. And there was only one thing that David wanted while he was hiding in caves and, and Saul was hunting him down and trying to kill him and end his life. There was only one thing David wanted. When his life was in danger, when things were falling down, there was only one thing. And not to have this to stop, not to, not to go home to his family, not to have more stuff, not to be king, not to have the praise or attention or, or anything like that. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That was all that mattered. His life was in danger, but he didn't care about that. All he cared about was being in the presence of the Lord. He said, I just want to be in the presence of my Lord. I just want to see his beauty. I just want to see his glory. I just want to be in his temple. And that's what it's all about. And we can get sidetracked and distracted by things of life and the things of this world. And we need to take time every now and again and recalibrate and remind ourselves what is important. Being in the presence of Jesus is what is important. It's more important than anything. My life could be in danger, but if I can just get into the presence of God, I know it's all going to be okay. Being in the presence of Jesus needs to be more important than anything. Anything that would keep me from that needs to go. Anything that would keep me from being in His presence needs to be taken out. And we can have a wish list of many new possessions, gifts, gadgets, appliances, so on. You know, we just went through Christmas. And you may not want to admit it, you probably had some things that you were hoping for. Maybe even had a list. I don't know. My kids, our friends were sharing Christmas lists from their children. People were adding up the totals. It was crazy. My kids weren't that bad, but uh, we went to the bookstore and they had a little flyer and the stickers and put beside all the things you wanted. And they're like, that's my Christmas list. Lucy's just putting stickers beside everything over $100. Everything. And I used every sticker. And I, don't, I didn't add it up, but it was not cheap. And she did not get any of those things. <laughs> and growing up, we would have the wish book from Sears, right? <laughs> it was nice to go through and circle all the things you weren't going to get for Christmas. Right? <laughs> I want this. Nope. Never happened, but you're always happy anyway. But we all have lists of things that we want and, and things that we're, we're saving up for maybe. You've got a list of things that you want to, you want to have. And uh, if we lived in a, a different country or a different society, our wish list would be a little different, a little more basic maybe. You know, food, water, shelter, healthcare, job. You know, these are things that people around the world want and we have. I remember uh, while we were in Benin and even in Ghana, uh, just being shocked by how happy everyone was. I had friends home making two, three times as much as I was, and you know, new vehicles, new houses, new 
MacBooks and iPads and all this stuff, and they had all these things, and they were still miserable. And you would see these people walking around, living in huts. They all had their Nokia cell phone. They all had one. I don't know. They're still there. They all had those, just some smoked fish. They had their health. The sun was shining, and they had their God, and that's all that mattered, and they were happy because they had their priorities right. And most of the things we desire, most of the things we really want aren't that important. Does it really matter if I get a new appliance? If I get that new thing, a new gadget, they're nice, yes. We're glad when we get them, but in the grand scheme of things, next year we're going to want something else. That's going to be outdated. And you buy a new car, and then the next year there's a better car. You know, you focus on these things and you get off balance. If we could reduce our wish list to the truly necessary and essential things, to the most important, then there's only really one thing that we need, and that's Jesus. Like David said, the one thing I desire is to be in his presence. What is the most important thing? The most important desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The most important thing in our lives should be to be saved and to love Jesus, to be in his presence and stay there. And anything that's going to stop that from happening, anything that's going to get in the way of that needs to be removed. Anything that hinders your living for God needs to go. If all you're focused on is getting this wish list of things and that list needs to go. It's distracting you from what is truly important. If you can't stop looking at your phone long enough to pray, it needs to go. If you can't stop thinking about that show that you're watching, I just got to get home and watch the next episode. What's going to happen? That, that needs to go. Amen. Amen. If I can't wait to do this and all I'm focused on is this or the next trip or the next thing or the next whatever, it needs to go. If something's keeping you from the house of God, it needs to go. If something's keeping you from praying or reading His Word or being in His presence, it needs to go. The most important thing needs to be Him. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and choir in His temple. That is it. Amen. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Because that was how he lived. Because of that Attitude. Whenever he fell, whenever David failed, he had no problem admitting it. He had no problem repenting when he realized it was keeping him from God. He would get rid of it. He would deal with it. He would get back into his presence. Even with that whole Bathsheba situation. Probably the worst thing that David ever did. Right? Nathan the prophet comes to him. He accuses him. David was the king. David could have said, you know what? I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. You could have had Nathan killed. You could have paid him off. Gave him some hush money. I know people in charge nowadays wouldn't do that. But he could have did that. He could have quieted Nathan. He could have put an end to it. Nobody would have known. But what did he do? 2 Samuel 12 and 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. The first thing he did when he was confronted with it, he repented. Because that's how he was. I've sinned. It was me. Once he realized, this is going to get me in trouble. This is going to get me judged. He tried to fix it on his own. It didn't work. But once he realized, this is going to separate me from God. It's like, this can't happen. I gotta, I've sinned. 
He was a king. He could have done whatever he wanted. Now this is back then before he had to go through things. Channels. The king just off with her head. You know, you all know Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> but David repented immediately. Because the most important thing to him was his relationship with God. And that's what kept him his whole life. When he was running from Saul, that's what kept him. When he fought Goliath, that's what kept him. When he was leading his army into battle, when he was leading his country, his relationship with God was the thing that led him, the thing that kept him and put him to where he was. And our relationship with God is what keeps us. So we need to do whatever we can to keep that relationship. And if there's something that's getting in the way, it needs to go. And this statement applies to, to church attendance, but it means much more. It speaks of a public and a private relationship with God and a permanent fellowship with Him. We're going to be in this relationship. We're going to stay with Him, constantly following Him, being in His presence daily, worshiping Him, praying, reading the Word daily. And if something gets in the way of that, it needs to get going. It needs to go. The bottom line is our relationship with Jesus. Don't let anything jeopardize it. If something is wrong, we need to recalibrate it. We need to repent. Like David, we need to reset. Because those ice cream cones are getting too big. We need to go back to way, the way it should be. We need to remind ourselves of how it should be. It's going to break this down into three things. Priority, activity, and a goal. There's one important priority, Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we're going to put Jesus first, we need to seek his kingdom first. And that means not getting caught up in his earthly kingdom. No, this isn't a popular message with the church now, but... If people, cared, if people cared as much about the word and church and Jesus as they did about politics, we wouldn't be able to contain the revival that we would have. If people cared about Jesus as much as they did about who's president of the United States, we wouldn't be able to contain the revival we'd have. If we cared as much about growing his kingdom as we do about growing our own. Anyways. Jesus said all these things. He's just been talking about provisions. He's just been talking about blessings. Which we all want. Everyone wants blessings. Everyone wants provisions. But all that comes when we put him first. All that comes when we put his kingdom first. We put his righteousness first. When we look for that, when we search for that, when we follow after that, when we seek the kingdom of God and put his righteousness first, everything else falls into place. We put him first. So we put him first and our desires change. We don't want that new stuff. Our list changes. We put him first. One important priority should be him and his Kingdom. I don't know if I offended anybody or not, but you're awfully quiet now. <laughs> One important activity. Anyways. Luke 10, 38-42 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named 
Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was cumbered a bit with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone and therefore bid her therefore that she help me? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And Jesus, he went to Mary and Martha's house, and Martha did like most of us would do. She tried to make her guests feel comfortable. You know, when you hear someone's coming over, what do you do? You rush around, yelling at the kids to pick up all their stuff, start sweeping, start cleaning, start dusting things that haven't been dusted in a while. My mother would just panic. Ah, oh, everybody, go, 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 it's showtime, go. Clean. That's what you do. You rush around, you clean everything, you make food, you get, oh, is there anything I can get you to drink? Oh, we've only got water. But well, you can have that. Uh, milk, I guess, if that's your thing. Coffee, whatever. We got, you, you know, you, you do that. You try to get them, make them comfortable. You go around making yourself crazy to make whoever this guest is feel at home, which at home that probably doesn't happen either. <laughs> my aunt, we make jokes, my mother does about her. Um, whenever people come over, she goes in a full Martha mode. My mother says, she'll be like doing the dishes, which. I'm not saying she does it normally, but she does it more often when people are there. <laughs> and she's like, come on, Martha, come sit down. She doesn't make jokes. Martha. <laughs> so Martha's running around doing all this stuff, but most of us would do, right? They've met Jesus before. They're friends with him. He's been there many times. And, but Mary, she sits at Jesus' feet and she just listens to his teaching and his talking. And Martha gets upset because here she is doing all the work while her sister is just sitting there. And if she would come help, then we could both sit there. But she's just sitting there, not doing what she thinks is more important. And sometimes we can get so busy working for Jesus, like Martha, trying to do all these things for him. That we don't take the time just to be in his presence like Mary. And David was trying to build the kingdom of Israel. And he said, one thing I want, one thing I desire is just to be in his presence. And his kingdom needs to be first priority. But our number one activity needs to be getting into his presence and sitting at his feet and letting him teach us. We can't get so busy trying to do things for the church, trying to do things for Jesus that we miss out being in his presence. We need to take time and be in his presence. One important goal. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, my goal, this one thing that I do, this one thing that I press toward, this one thing I'm trying to get, this one thing I'm reaching for, this, this prize that I'm reaching for is the calling of Jesus, the calling of God in Christ Jesus. The one thing I'm reaching for is his calling. The most important thing, the thing that I should be striving to follow, the thing I am pressing towards is his calling in my life, his will for my life. And our priority should be his kingdom, our 
Number one activity should be to get into his presence, and our goal should be to see his will accomplished in our lives. This is the most important thing we can do. And anything that would hinder that needs to go. Anything that would hinder that needs to be removed, needs to be gone. But our lives, my wife could come back. Please, and thank you. Should be the most important thing. When Jesus comes back for his church, possessions won't matter. How nice our car is won't matter. How nice our house is won't matter. How much stuff we have won't matter. The Christmas list, list, the wish book, all of those things won't matter. Our relationship with God and our family's relationship with God is all that will matter. So let's, as we end this year and, and go into the next, let's focus on the most important thing that we can do. Just have a relationship with Jesus. And in eternity, the most important thing we can do is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, like David said. So let's just take some time this morning before we um, get into the new year. Um, it's just another day, really. But we look at it differently. But before we get into that, um, let's just take some time this morning and recalibrate. Re- Focus. Make sure our priorities are in the right place. We've just come through a, a busy season. It's not quite over yet. New Year's isn't as hectic. Um, we've just come through a busy season where we had plans on top of plans on top of other plans and we're rearranging everything because somebody's upset with us or trying to work everything out with family and all that stuff. And things tend to get out of whack. Maybe we don't take as much time as we should to you know, focus on Him. Things get a bit out of shape. And maybe we think we're doing fine, and then like the employees at McDonald's, we weigh those cones and they're off. <laughs> Let's just take some time this morning and we'll just pray and ask God if there's anything in our lives that is distracting us, anything that's keeping us from putting Him number one, that would show us so that we can um, adjust to that. We can repent of that. We can remove that. We can recalibrate, refocus. My wife's going to sing right open the altar. If you want to come and pray, and pray, you can pray with your, your family, whatever. Just, just pray together. That God would help us to refocus on what's important as we go into this new year. Let's just have a year where God just has his way in our lives. Our goal is should be to see his will accomplished. Or should seek his kingdom. Your priority should be to be in his presence. Let's just pray together. So we end this, this service. Hallelujah. Jesus.